The first definition of the word saint in the Oxford Dictionary of English goes like this. A person acknowledged as holy or virtuous and regarded in Christian faith as being in heaven after death. Whatever impulse brought you to this worship service, that sort of definition so permeates our culture that it surely flavors your own notion of sainthood leading you to believe that such a designation is reserved for a very few rarefied individuals and certainly not yourself. But the interesting thing is that of the 62 references of the word saint in the New Testament, 44 come from the Apostle Paul describing the members of the extant Christian churches, even the dysfunctional communities like Corinth that by our standards exhibited less than heroic virtue you know, squabbling about power, engaged in incestuous relationships, even winding up drunk at communion, stuff like that. But by Paul's reckoning, they were all still saints. And by default, then, all of us would qualify as well. We don't really get to pick and choose in the matter. It even includes those irritating church folks you'd just as soon not associate with which, as you stop to think about it, is probably a good thing considering our own faulty virtue and the undeveloped and unpleasant aspects of our personalities and preoccupations. Sainthood is not dependent upon perfection or even a close approximation. Saints are simply folks like you and me who have decided to attach themselves to God's purposes, especially as modeled by Jesus. It's no more complicated or rarefied than that. On the other hand, that's no small matter. Think about it. If you're a person who, along with Jesus, believes that the highest calling in life involves loving God and neighbor and commit our intentions to serving that cause, that probably puts you in a minority in a city like New York a minority that you might just as soon keep hidden given our culture's disdain for any whiff of virtuous or even hypocritical high-mindedness. Lots of hypocrisy going around in Christian circles today. In the church's early years, a commitment to love God and neighbor could lead to persecution and a horrible death. By comparison, our puny risk is social embarrassment and a personal rating of not cool. If the stakes were a bit higher, so-called sainthood might be considered a nobler classification. In any case, I think it's really important to remember that behind all the well-tooled and Instagrammed veneers of every spiritual seeker hide the actual saints of God, such as they are. That's one reason I think All Saints is an appropriate and important day in our worship cycle, one that got swamped by the popularity and marketability of All Hallows' Eve or Halloween, the night ghoulish spirits are set loose to romp before the morning, the holy ones are to be hallowed. The ancient historic drama between the forces of good and evil was driven by pagan superstitions, and now our culture is left with the residue of 
party making driven by the engine of consumerism. It's, it's mostly good fun, nothing wrong with that. But in the meantime, the holy purpose of gratefully remembering those who had thrown their lot in with Jesus and the gospel of love is largely lost. Along with that, we've lost a proper sense of our own extended faith family and our place within it, stretching back into ancient history and forward into what is yet to be. Here's something else to pay attention to. The famous passage from Matthew we heard a few minutes ago has a deeply humane quality. The people who followed Jesus up the mountain were hungry to hear something that fit their circumstance, their concern, their ache for compassionate regard and a hopeful future. Man, that, that rings true for us today as well, right? Blessed are the poor in spirit, said Jesus. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn. They will be comforted. Astonishing how relevant these sound for us today. Blessed are the meek and the pure in heart. Blessed are the ones who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the persecuted. It's profoundly humane. And note that these blessings don't say a word about being blessed with power or wealth or the right set of words to say designed to guarantee you a place at the head of the table. There's a universal quality to this, as in John's ecstatic vision of the consummation of all things, when all the nations and tribes, peoples of all languages, have gathered round the throne of the Lamb of God. There's nothing, absolutely nothing coercive in this image, simply a universal attraction to a profoundly hopeful future fashioned by our God of grace. The saints are those who are pointed towards the hopeful future, fully alive in the present as they seek to love God and neighbor as best they can. And little by little, they discover the faith that reveals death has no power over their days. They can live as though they belong to God and one another in life and in death. As the prayer in our funeral liturgy says, help us to live as those who are prepared to die. And when our days here are accomplished, help us to die as those who go forth to live, so that living or dying our life may be in you, knowing that nothing in life or in death will be able to separate us from your great love. Now, saints, <laughs> I don't know if you've lately thought of your faith like this, but from the point of view of our tradition, that's the journey we're on. And you can sense how such a profound faith would dignify the days of our lives and drive us to become closer approximations of what God intends for us and for the world. I approach all saints with this sensibility remembering all those people who have assisted my personal and spiritual maturation. I start with those I can name, those saints who helped release me from the bondage of pettiness, narcissism, and every form of immaturity. Not that this will ever be fully accomplished in my lifetime. As I said, sainthood isn't about perfection. But, you know, some have loved me enough to tell me the truth 
to encourage me to grow up, to help me risk greater leaps of trust and courage. In part, they did this by accepting my weaknesses without judgment, but also holding me accountable to growing into my better self. Sometimes I received this love joyfully. Other times, kicking and screaming, I tell you. This is a big part of the role of the saints. It's what we do for each other. It happens in our worship, in our study, in our various community building groups, in our service to others. And you know, it happens with saints who aren't part of the church family at all. No one is a truly independent operator despite our protestations otherwise, despite our devotion to the myth of rugged individualism, despite our very great fear of vulnerable exposure revealing we're not whom we say we are. We need others to help us find our true selves. We need the saints, such as they are. So now I invite you to think about those who helped set you free to become your better selves. The ones who inspired, challenged, supported, and loved you in crucial ways, driving you to become a better version of yourself, including those who were role models of character and of justice. Spread your net wide in this exercise. If you're like me, some of the important saints in your lives are persons you did not especially like. Their weaknesses and failings were pronounced, but their effect upon your life can't be denied. They gave you good gifts. Some you've known well for many years. Others are more recently met. Some you know only by their works from a distance. Some are still walking among us. Others have died. Take this opportunity to remember them. Let gratitude overwhelm your senses. This is an important element of our shared life and worship, becoming aware of the great cloud of witnesses who have made it possible for us to find our true freedom and become aware of the many anonymous saints as well. For instance, those who gave us at Christ Church the gift of our jewel box sanctuary. They simply gave it to us. Imagine that. And their gift has even now morphed into our being together in this virtual way too. They didn't even know our names, but they left us in their wills. They knew others would be following them, joining the parade of those who were marching into God's future and could use their help in finding their way. Just this one small recognition inspires an examination of our, yours and mine, current commitments, our relative generosity, the strength and resiliency of our love. Their example sets a high bar, and honestly, you know, they were no more inherently heroic than you or me. By their example, we can feel the tug to grow into a larger love. Bring all of the saints of your lives to mind as best you can. Hold them there as you join the communion table. And hold a prayer of gratitude in your heart for the rest of the week. 
you will appreciate their presence. This seems so especially relevant as we remember all those who have lost their lives to COVID, all who mourn, all the poor in spirit, all the persecuted, all those experiencing injustice, all of these saints blessed by God, secure in God's graceful embrace.